Hello and welcome to another episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. On today's episode, we discuss the Sixers' recent two-game winning streak, Ricky Council playing the best ball of his young NBA life, and also take a look at the hometown kid returning to Philadelphia, of course, one Kyle Lowry. All that and more on today's episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode, episode 17, the Buddy Healed episode of Still Processing, a 76ers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Chavalella, here, of course, as always, with my co-host, Sam D. Giovanni. Sam, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. It has been <clears throat> some of the definitely more fun times of the uh, hospital slash and being the Sixers so far. Uh, fantastic planning by us to have, you know, the Buddy Healed episode number 17 coming out. After Buddy has some good games and he chooses the jersey number 17, we plan for all of this. So, perfectly scripted. But yeah, Perfect. man, uh, I mean, I don't think anyone would be feeling as good as they are right now. The last just over this last few days, like this time last week or so, it was pretty bleak, but you know, still plenty of work to do the rest of the season. But at least some wins under the belt for the Sixers recently. Hometown kid uh, is coming back. So, Plenty to look forward to, at least. The the vibes are not completely tanking heading into the All-Star break. If anything, they are at least, you know, hit, hitting a stagnation with some some nice wins and, and a key addition uh, before the break starts. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of like how the weather was today in the Philadelphia area. You know, it was a bit dark, a bit stormy uh, in the wake of Joel Embiid's knee injury, the surgery to the meniscus. Uh, and then by the mid-afternoon, the sun was out bright and shining. Uh, and things are looking a little bit brighter moving on ahead. So uh, definitely a improved past few days. And, uh, you know, it all started with, of course, the Sixers win over the Washington Wizards on Saturday night. And Sam, you actually traveled down to Washington for that game. So what really stood out, you know, I, I think we both know what really stood out. Everyone knows is the Ricky Council game. But in addition to that, you know, what really stood out? What did you see while you were down there? Um, I mean, they were in a very precarious spot because not all, not because of the injuries that they've been dealing with previously to Embiid and some other key players, but Mobamba being out left them in an, an interesting spot center wise. Um, I asked Nick Nurse pregame about um, Kenneth Lofton potentially playing, and he gave kind of a general answer of like, yeah, we'll see what happens. And he ended up not getting it. Uh, KJ Martin was the backup five. Tobias Harris got some minutes at the five. Um, it was a pretty, you know, it was definitely one of those games as it was as must win as they come for a team so banged up. Like you just have to find a way to get back in the win column. And against those that smelly wizards team, like that was as good of a chance as any. Uh yeah. it was pretty close for a good amount of the game, and you know, it wasn't, you know, super comfortable at the end, but they ended up maintaining that cushion and riding it out. Um, the story of the game was obviously Ricky Council the fourth. Uh, he was absolutely fantastic, and when his first time really getting real NBA minutes, he was uh, just outstanding. His energy was felt so many different ways. Uh, Buddy Heel and Tyrese Maxey, the first game of that backcourt, um, they were huge as well. 
Um, both of them in their own ways. They had their own uh, kind of runs in Buddy the Third, uh, Maxi the Fourth, to my recollection, where they had some big scoring outbursts that really helped uh, uplift the Sixers. Tobias Harris, not at all a game to speak of. It was one of those nights where he's probably best served um, just staying off of social media. Uh, uh, it's tough to, you know, what degree the um, – I forget the injury he had against Cleveland. Was it knee thing that he had? No, about, Tobias had the um, hip – not hip pointer. It was a hip uh, impingement. Okay. So that injury, I mean, it's tough to see, you know, how much that impacted him. But he certainly was not great against the Wizards. He was not very good. But he did at least, you know, with him at the five, they were able to go to those spaced out looks that um, – really helped uh, unlock Maxi being able to get downhill. Cause I thought Denny Avdi actually played some really good defense against him. He was really good. Tyus Jones, I think had a career high in three pointers made um, just interesting game overall. And um, you know, obviously go on the Sixers for getting that one out, stopping their uh, losing streak. Yeah. You know, it looked as though Tyus Jones, uh, the only rationale that I could come up with <clears throat> is that he held it against Philadelphia for not acquiring him at the traded line or, or not, wanting him bad enough according to some of the rumors that we heard heading into the trade deadline because he absolutely unloaded from beyond the arc of Philadelphia from the first quarter. And Jones has consistently been a high percentage shooter from deep uh, over recent years, but he's never been a volume guy. And so for him to be shooting as if there was no tomorrow, uh, that really was a negative signal for Philadelphia right from the jump. And when you look at just where Washington's been as a team all season long. Uh, It's tough to really talk about must-win games in February. I don't know how anyone would have felt about the Sixers team if they dropped a game to Washington. It's just it it can be such an explosive blow to morale to lose a game. And, And, you know, excuses being what they are, no matter who you have on your roster, this is still a team that on paper is better than Washington and should be clearing uh, them in any potential matchup. So to finish the game in a kind of a rather close one against them, yeah, that's that's not the ideal finish. But listen, a win's a win. They got off the four-game slide with that win. Uh, it set up the game in Cleveland, which we're going to get to in a moment. And really just uh, above anything else outside of the win, which of course – at the end of the day, is the most important thing. To see Ricky Council explode for a 19-point double-double was just so great for everyone, so great for the team involved, so great for Ricky Council, obviously. I think it was great for Sixers fans also because fans were just coming off of the Jaden Springer trade, and there were a lot of people, you know, fans, media members. I mean, myself, I <clears throat> was not the biggest fan of the trade and was critical of Darren Moore just in the sense that do I think that Jaden Springer is going to make the difference between the Sixers winning the finals this year or not? No, absolutely not. That being said, he has proven to be uh, to have the potential to groom an elite skill. And when you send somebody who has an elite trait or the potential to grow into an elite trait to a contending division rival, that is where you start to lose me a little bit. But that being said, the rise of rookie council that has since come out of the ashes that were Jaden Springer in Philadelphia, I think has made everybody feel just that much better because after losing out on players like Charles Bassey, Isaiah Joe, uh, now Jaden Springer, the most recent, just to know that you have that youth in Philadelphia, that player who uh, 
uh, is almost a symbol of hope in the way that kind of Tyrese Maxey was at first, uh, that Paul Reed was during his first season, and how he uh, just leaped right over expectations. Uh, just to have that guy now in Ricky Council, I think it's just good and healthy for Sixers fans given the disappointment that is the state of this team in terms of uh, health. So to to have him go off in that game, absolutely great for him, great for the team. They loved it. Kelly Oubre was loving it. Talking about C4, you know, Chris um, – Ricky Council the fourth, obviously Council four, Council the fourth. Uh, he's just explosive. It just it writes itself, honestly. I mean, you got you got Kelly Oubre, K nine, who's mad like a dog, and you got C four Ricky Council, who's just explosive when you watch him play. Uh, it, this is an all time high for some of the nicknames in Philadelphia. We're talking about Buddy Love coming to the city of brotherly love after all these years. Just absolutely an all time high for nicknames in Philadelphia with these Sixers right now. Uh, and those vibes have carried over to, to wins incredibly. So uh, definitely impressive. We talked about Buddy Love. How integral has he been? And obviously the answer is a ton. He's been one of the main reasons for their success. Sam, how integral has he been in these past two wins? We'll get to a little bit more of the details in Cleveland in just a second. But just with these first two wins, uh, and, and even we saw it in the Atlanta game, just how what a difference he brought to this offense. What's really stood out to you as far as what he brings to the table different than anyone else on this roster? First off, real quick, I had to confiscate my uh, cat's little uh, shaker toy here to make sure that I could be uh, heard. Sorry, buddy. But um, <clears throat> Ricky's been huge, man. I mean, I feel like we, um, we've we seen with the Sixers that athleticism on the wing that has been uh, kind of, you know, scarce in recent years. Like, Ricky brings that. He's got good size. He's super – athletic and he puts it to great use time and time again um you know one of the things real quick on the springer front it's interesting that you know daryl Morey made the calculation of the pick was more valuable to the sixers than jane springer but the celtics made the opposite and because of all those the sex the success that they have had it just makes it look really like interesting of what is brad stevens and company you know seeing him but i ultimately think you know maybe we'll see what chance Jane gets in Boston. I think he's hurt right now, but I think that trade, even though I also was skeptical of it, I think it's just best for both sides. Like it was clear Jane was not going to reach his ultimate potential here. The Sixers wanted more out of him that they weren't ready to get. And they ended up, you know, kind of just restocking the asset cover, trading him to a team that, you know, maybe could be really good for his development. We will see. But uh, Ricky has been super, super good. Um, he's got obviously. Nice athleticism, which he puts to use in the open court. Um, that one dunk he had, I think it was late in the game against Washington. It looked like for most guys, like he they didn't have enough runway, enough speed build up to get that dunk, but he did. Uh, in the half court, he's got you know certainly some areas to polish up on, but as we kind of saw in the summer league with him, he's really good at attacking the basket. Uh, feels like he's really good at just you know keeping himself uh, controlled, even if a defender can get him off balance, he's able to get a shot up or draw a foul, which he's been pretty solid at, at least for, a, you know, an undrafted rookie getting his first uh, go at it. Uh, I think he's been super important. His offensive rebounding has been huge. Five of them, uh, five offensive rebounds against Washington was was monumental. And I don't think he shot as well against Cleveland, but he still provided that, you know, athletic uh, boost on the wing that, especially when they're down so many guys, like having a guy that plays that hard. And Nick Nurse talked about it after the game, just that intensity that he carries with him. Um, all the time and whatever it is and have it on the court uh, has obviously been super important for the Sixers. I didn't say a word. 
I wasn't going to interrupt you once you started talking about Ricky Council. The people need to hear more about Ricky Council. So I'm glad that you went through all of the just every little bit that goes into how impressive that he's been so far. I was talking about Buddy Heald. So what from Buddy Heald? <laughs> you're totally Did I just good. completely Listen, mishear you? Frankie giveth, Frankie taketh away. We're, wow, we're working on training the mascot like right now. Did you say Buddy Heald and I just totally misheard you? I, I did move on to Buddy Heald. Totally cool because, listen, the people need to know about Ricky Council. So that was oh, an absolute Lord. gift, an absolute wow. gift. Happy to hear it. And, and we're looking forward to absolutely more, <laughs> more, more Ricky Council on this pod going forward. So uh, best case wow. scenario, because now the great part is that we still get to talk <laughs> about Buddy Heald. Okay. Yeah. He deserves to be talked about. That was not any subliminal if I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> he wow. absolutely does. It's no you. slight to but We're just excited Take about the you know? And who's not? Even Frankie. Frankie distracting you just so we can talk about Ricky Council that much more. Oh, so, listen, know. we're excited to see what he can do against Miami tomorrow night. Uh, you know, Obviously, you and I will be down at the game watching Ricky. Uh, but that being said, there's going to be someone else on that court tomorrow night, and that is, of course, Buddy Heald. So sharpshooter Buddy Heald coming from the Indiana Pacers. Sam, over these first three games, Atlanta, obviously with these last two where he's been playing alongside Maxi, he's looked even better. What stood out from, from his performance overall? Well, what has really stood out is the fact that he has proved to be so much more than just a shooter. Uh, obviously, players are not entirely just one-dimensional where they can only do one thing, but I think everybody had the impression of, oh, hey, this is a guy who's going to just, you know, shoot it from three, use his movement, just get open, and just launch, launch, launch threes. And he's certainly done that. But what I really did not know that much about and what he has shown spectacularly in these first few games is that he knows exactly how to use his gravity to the best that he can. And he is very comfortable driving into the paint and making plays for others. Um Nick and Tyrese both talked about this in Washington, just how smart he is. Like, you don't maybe, if you think of high IQ players, you don't, Buddy Heald might not be a name that comes to mind, but you just watch him play and he obviously understands, you know, for a guy that's got that reputation just to score for a guy, he knows like where the cracks in defense are and how to exploit them. Obviously, he's looking to shoot and he does that really well. But, and this is part of what the Sixers have done well, they're putting him in sets where the defense has to pursue him really hard. And he does a really good job of just attacking uh, into the paint. And whether it's you know, drawing to and making a nice dump off pass to the center, whether it's getting into the paint and he's got a really nice kind of like wide, like scoop layup that he's able to hit. Um, and it's been super impressive to see how he can just operate in the offense as, you know, obviously uh, an emergency top option. Um, I imagine that he'll start with, you know, Maxi and be somewhere that third, fourth option once uh, Embiid comes back. Um, but the reps he ha- has had on the ball, it's been really impressive. He's not a you know, break down the defender type of guy, but he is obviously super good at relocating. And like I said, using uh, his shooting ability to manufacture open looks for both himself and his teammates. And, you know, shout out to Nick Nurse for putting him in a bunch of different sets, whether it's, you know, kind of the two guys starting on the side ring of the ball and they can meet in the middle, whether it's the... Um, the pitch action where Tyrese will just kind of flip the ball back to him or whether it's, you know, ghosting a screen where Buddy will run up, pretend to set the screen and immediately flare back out. 
Um, it's just been a super clean fit so far. And uh, the playmaking has really popped too. Um, Buddy's average, I think, just a shade under seven assists. Only three games, take the sample size for what it is. But he really has been impressive so far. He just looks like a guy who always you know, knows where to be and always knows um, what he needs to do to score the ball. Yeah, and first and foremost, credit to Buddy Heald, absolutely. Uh, before I get back to what exactly Heald's one that stood out, you know, you mentioned Nick Nurse, and he's really put him in a position to succeed, you know, giving him these different looks on offense and that uh, that two-man game with Maxi. that uh, when Joel Embiid, I'll say if, but I, I feel pretty confident saying when, Joel Embiid returns this season, what's incredible is that that lethal two-man game that Maxi and Embiid ran earlier this season. Buddy Heald has shown me enough just from his obviously shooting, but also his playmaking and his uh, ability to make quick, decisive shots has proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's going to be able to run that same exact action with Joel Embiid. And this is something that is kind of like that uh, JJ Redick plus that Seth Curry plus. And I think that's a lot of the role that, that Heald was expected to play coming in, and that's going to be absolutely lethal. But you're right. What he's shown is that he can also do even more than that. And his, I, I love how you mentioned his um, his confidence and his ability, you know, driving to the rack, and not not only just his bodily control to be able to to finish in the paint, but also just to kick it up into the open man, like you said. In addition to that, it's there is this sense of confidence that he just has outside of the arc. I mean, there's there's been multiple plays where he's just had the ball at the top of the key, and all, you know he puts the ball in the triple threat, and he just tempts the defender, who has to make a real calculated, uh, you know, judgment call: Is Buddy going to shoot this? Is he going to drive? Is he going to kick it out? Because he's had success doing all three, and when you show and and display that type of success uh, at, at those three options, the the triple threat, it just opens up completely for you. And for him to be able to shoot as well as he does uh, on contested jumpers, this is something that we've not seen from a player in a Sixers jersey possibly since since Iverson. And he's he is a better shooter than Iverson as well. I mean, Maxie's is a phenomenal shooter, but that's just not exactly his game. You know, he, he does a lot of obviously the relocation uh, threes we've seen from times from Tyrese Maxey. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of the step backs. You know, he's learned a lot about that from James Harden. Uh, of course, the two-man game that I mentioned with Joel Embiid earlier. We've seen we've seen that with a lot of Maxey's volume. But there's just a, a stone-cold brass set of cojones that Buddy Heald has where he will hold the ball at the top of the key and he will look you right in your soul. And if he senses weakness even for a second – He's pulling up right then and there, and he's going to drain that three. And you just see this ball go in almost with power from beyond the arc. It's incredible. Some of the most accurate shots that that we've seen from three, and it's so exciting. And, yes, there's a little bit of a honeymoon period likely that can often happen. In Philadelphia, fans are typically used to saying that you know a guy comes and he forgets how to shoot when he comes to the Sixers. So we're already in the gravy and the bonus from there. Uh, but while there is admittedly somewhat of a honeymoon period here with Buddy Heald's success, while they're effectively running so many multiple looks that it's tough to, to strategize against it, this just shows that there's going to be so much optionality for this offense as guys continue to come back and be healthy, as Tobias Harris eventually comes back, 
as Nico Batum eventually comes back, Anthony Mountain, Joel Embiid. And he talked about the starting lineup for, for Heald going forward and what his role might be. Obviously, when DeAnthony Mountain was healthy and everyone was healthy, that was one of the greatest starting fives in all of basketball. That being said, this is this back injury has everything up in the air, and it has been lingering for so long, and now he has a history of back injuries. I could very well see a world in which DeAnthony Mountain continues to start when he comes back, you know, assuming that he's healthy, even when Embiid's there, Nico Batum's there. I could absolutely see them rolling with that lineup at the same time. I could absolutely see Nick Nurse rolling with Buddy Heald instead of DeAnthony Melton. And part of the reason is while Melton brings so much more defensively to the table, even though I think Heald is, has exceeded expectations defensively, I won't say he's been a great defender, but he's exceeded expectations early on. Uh, even still, just the, the offensive ability and the ability to take that pressure off of Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid, I think will be absolutely immense for the Sixers. So uh, I could absolutely see a world where Heald is starting. And despite the success that they saw with Melton, I may even suggest it as the course of action, be so bold as to suggest that because the name of the game for the rest of the regular season, if and when Joel Embiid comes back, is to ramp him up and get him into shape for the postseason. And in order to do that, they're going to have to take some of that offensive burden off of him for however many regular season games he has in him. So uh, making sure to incorporate Buddy Heald is definitely a key factor in that. Uh, anything else stand out from the Cleveland game for? Obviously, they absolutely lit up one of the top defenses in the entire NBA, one of the best, hottest teams in the NBA as well. Anything else stand out from that game for you, Sam? The thing that really – it felt like it was a theme from the moment the game started with the Sixers offense <clears> – <throat> They were living in the paint. I mean, this is a very good uh, Cleveland defense. You know, I think – I don't know what the stats are as of right now, but they came into the game at least second in offensive rating, and they just know how to get after it defensively. But the Sixers just did not care. They continued to score in the paint, and it wasn't just, you know, fast breaks, cherry picking, whatnot, getting the ball out ahead. They were doing a great job breaking down the um, the Cavs defense and the – in the half court. Uh, obviously they played drop coverage with their centers. Obviously you want to keep guys like Allen and Mobley close to the rim so they can impact as many shots, but they, it, you know, gave guys some room to either, you know, attack and whether it was, you know, buddy kind of drawn up, drawing a d- defender over and then kicking it down to uh, the role man, or whether it was, you know, Tyrese finding that space, um, whether it was, you know, they were attacking the slow footed big or they were, forcing that switch to bring them out into space and try again. Like it just works super well time and time again. And I think, you know, you talk about hot three point shooting nights. I think it's fair to say that they kind of had a hot two point shooting night because they were shooting, you know, not super tough shots, but they obviously weren't getting right at the rim. They were living in a lot of like, you know, floater range and, you know, push shots. I feel like that was a lot of what like Kelly was doing in particular. He had a pretty solid game. Um, 10 of 14 shooting off the top of my mind, which is obviously super uh, impactful and efficient. But it was so impressive the way that they were able to just stick with it. And obviously the Cavs, very talented team, playing nearly full strength, um, cut their deficit like that multiple times. Uh, Late in the game got really, really worrisome for the Sixers. looked like they were about to lose it, but they held on. And that last possession with um, Paul stuffing – 
Donovan Mitchell at the rim and Garland missing that three in the corner. Um, that was just huge. And um, I, I thought about this as I was publishing my recap. I'm like, do I want to say best win of the season? Do I want to say one of the best wins? But kind of quickly settled on that just has to be the best win of the season. One of the best teams yeah. they've been in, being them on the road, not a super long road trip, but, you know, just on a this brief road trip down so many guys like – following the trade deadline and top tier uh, guys. I mean, we're talking about four out of five starters, including the reigning league MVP. Mm-hmm. And if he wasn't hurt favorite to win MVP yet again, I mean, these are not just depth guys that we're talking about that they were missing. Right. For sure. And obviously, you know, you want to look at, you know, the, the Timberwolves game obviously stands out. Um, they, you know, being the Celtics is always a good thing for the, for the Sixers, but just the way that they were able to hunker down and they got so many good games from, guys all over the roster. I mean, you know, Tyrese um, was good, but it wasn't like that uh, win against the Jazz where he had a career-high 51 points. Uh, This was a very well-rounded effort. Tyrese, again, was very good in this game, but um, to get really solid games from Buddy, uh, Campaign did a really solid job. Uh, It was – I don't know how many games – They've played where both Paul and Mo were both on their A game. I feel like Paul Reed and Mo Bamba were both really, really solid, uh, hanging their own, hanging, yeah. you know, with two of the better, at least young, you know, stars in the game. Uh, super well-rounded effort from from all the guys that played. Um, even Nick Nurse, I mean, he was huge in that game too. Uh, not something he did super long, but I thought it was fascinating that he went to a three-point card lineup with Campaign Maxi and Turk Smith for a little bit. Um yeah. But, yeah, man, that was just a huge win for the Sixers, top to bottom. And I think it absolutely stands alone as the best win of the season to date with all the circumstances. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think the way that you phrase it is perfect, you know, considering all circumstances, because as great as the Minnesota win was, uh, as much fun as Embiid's 70-point performance was, just with how high the stakes were, everything stacked up against Philadelphia in this game, uh, just the opportunity for potential failure was so strong, and yet the team overcame. And you know, you had performances that stood out from guys like KJ Martin and Ricky Council, which were absolutely key. Uh, Mo Bamba, I think, played his best game as a Sixer uh, in that game against against Cleveland, and he, on top of that, just showed what a great. Uh, presence he is kind of behind the scenes as well. Uh, right after that that game winning block that Paul Reed put on uh, on Donovan Mitchell as well, uh, you have Mo Bamba storming the court to to celebrate with him, and that's just kind of the guy that Mo is. is uh, you know, he's been such a, like a light presence in the locker room in the sense of uh, you know such a, a amicable, team friendly guy and. Uh, putting his teammates first throughout the season. So there's a lot to say about his his play on the court and areas that he can improve, but uh, that's not to say that he hasn't been crucial to this team in, in other areas. And, you know, we even saw that kind of bleed over today where he's already being a top-tier teammate to his newest teammate of all, uh, the guy that we're going to get to next. You're talking about Philly native Kyle Lowry, who just came back. Obviously, the big news that he officially signed with the Sixers today, he is still, this is where Obama comes in, he is still going to be wearing number seven, which he's worn over the majority of his career, because Obama was a good guy and gave him seven. I mean, now, did Obama get something on the side? We'll never know. We see that happen in the NFL all the time. 
but either way, he was a good guy, gave Kyle Lowry the number, uh, and now yeah. Lowry is set to make his uh, Sixers debut at some point this season. But you got something for me on that, Sam? Uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, this is not my joke, but ladies and gentlemen, this is Bamba number five. Going back to the jersey, <laughs> yeah, he exactly. was his first number from, uh, I think, when he was a rookie. And uh perfect fit that I'm sure we will be saying repeatedly. But, yes, good good guy of Obama giving Lowry his, uh, his number seven. For sure. For sure. Uh, so, listen, uh, Kyle Lowry, this was, I think, the, the plan the entire time when the, they were talking about the Patrick Beverly move, uh, trading Patrick Beverly to the Milwaukee Bucks. Campaign has, has – been more than serviceable since that trade went down. Obviously, gaining a second-round pick for a guy signed to a minimum like Patrick Beverly is just pretty much always a good idea, uh, one would say. But the idea was to get Kyle Lowry in here, and now he is finally a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. Sam, what are your expectations of Lowry finishing out this season and possibly going into the postseason with Philadelphia? Uh, I think it's a solid move. Um, one of the things Daryl said about, he was asked about uh, Pat Bev's comments and the decision to trade him. And one of the things that he said was that they saw his role diminishing. And so they decided to send him to a place where he knows where they know he's going to play. Um, <clears throat> not only is he uh, a fit for what Milwaukee kind of needed, but he is going to, he's reuniting with Doc Rivers. They obviously spent, they obviously spent years together with the Clippers, very familiar with each other. Pat will have plenty of chances to play there. And it's kind of one of the worst kept secrets in the league that uh, Lowry and the Sixers were, were due for, for a union at some point. Uh, I'm very interested to see um, what he's able to do, how Nick Nurse wants to use him. Uh, I think he does have some stuff left in the tank. I think his shooting and uh, his ability to make plays will be um, much needed uh, with the Sixers. I think that defensively he'll be helpful. It's, you know, always tough to see what guys can give at this stage in his career. Uh, One thing's for sure, the motivation will obviously be there. Philly guy coming home. Um, It's very cool to, you know, have two of these really big um, Philly reunions uh, in a season is, is pretty, pretty cool. And Lowry should be, you know, sliding into that role that Pat had as uh, now that Cam has as like a, uh, High minutes guy off the bench leading the offense when Maxi sits. Uh, he's probably a guy that <clears throat> I think you kind of invite maybe some troubles if you're playing him and Maxi together for too long. But I do think that, you know, having Maxi out there will take some pressure off of Lowry. And I think that he is uh, a good enough shooter and a smart enough player to help make Maxi's life easier during the time they're out there. So very interested to see. Um, I w- I'm very interested to see if he plays. I'm sure he wants to play against uh, the Heat, which, you know, to my knowledge, it was kind of a rocky tenure there for as successful as it was. Um, he is now on the injury report at the time of this recording, um, and they update the injury report every hour. So once the signing was official, you would assume that he would be added right away if there was something, but there doesn't appear to be. Um, but with the Sixers already down five guys heading into the game, you would imagine that they would – hope that he's active just so they can have another guy out there if needed. Um, but, yeah, I'm very interested to see uh, what Larry still has and how um, what his role is with the Sixers. Yeah, a lot of people love to throw out the word cooked when it comes to Kyle Lowry just because he is uh, approaching the twilight of his career. I, I I don't think that he's cooked. Like, he's not the same player 
that he was in his heyday in Toronto. I think he'd even be honest about that. Uh, but when you look at what he's provided, I mean, you can look at the regular season with Miami. You can look at the postseason even. Uh, people are quick to point to the postseason and say, well, hey, he didn't start most of these games. They moved him to the bench. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't contribute. Miami, on their their road to the finals, he was still a meaningful contributor, still shooting at a high percentage, still facilitating uh, you know, all the way, and, and he's been effective at dishing up the ball without uh, accruing a lot of turnovers. So effectively what a lot of people were hoping to see out of Tyus Jones, Kyle Lowry's still been able to provide. So uh, I think that he will supplant campaign as the primary backup point guard of this team. I think that's for the best. It's definitely a defensive upgrade. Campaign's played phenomenally so far for the Sixers compared to what people expected of him. Uh, and I love the idea of having him as that third option just as a safety net for whatever play, uh, whatever point guard needs you may have as the season goes on. And also because you don't want Kyle Lowry necessarily uh, maxing his minutes effectively and wearing himself out in the regular season. So uh, I think that that's definitely going to be useful and, and, and helpful for Philadelphia. And uh, again, you mentioned Lowry defensively. I do think that he is a, a strong upgrade from both uh, Maxi and also from uh, campaign, even though Maxi's been great as an energy defender this year. And I think that that will allow you to play Maxi and Lowry together for spurts. Again, like you said, you don't want to have them on the court at the same time for too, too long. But if we're talking about a couple minutes in a playoff game, that's something that you can definitely get away with. Uh, no, no real concern there. So uh, definitely kind of a slam dunk of a move. Awesome to see that he's keeping number seven, except for his first stint in the NBA with the Memphis Grizzlies and his first season with the Toronto Raptors because Andrea Bagnani wore seven. Kyle Lowry has worn seven for his entire career. So it is very cool to see that he is sticking with that in Philadelphia. Once again, very cool of Mobamba to do that. And hopefully, yeah, he does uh, premiere in this game against Miami. I think that's something that Sixers fans will look forward to. Like you said, the team is just uh, a little bit short-staffed, so I think they wouldn't mind if Lowry wants to play in this game. And uh, that Heat career of Lowry's, again, as you said, was not necessarily the most amicable that entire time. So uh, I think there's a little bit of motivation on that end too, but – uh, we'll see what exactly goes into that come tomorrow when the Sixers do face the Miami Heat at home. But one more game before we head into the All-Star break. Uh, definitely couldn't come at a better moment for the Sixers, who could stand to get a lot healthier and are expected to be a lot healthier after this trade deadline. But uh, for now, listen, you're coming off of two wins. You can make it three in a row heading into the break. If you find a way to manage that, I, I think the sky's the limit for the Sixers team coming out the other end with, again, hopefully a lot more health and potentially three starters returning to the lineup, which uh, cannot, cannot, I repeat, cannot be overstated. So uh, for now, we're going to take a little wait and see, watch a little Tyrese Maxey in the All-Star game with the three-point contest and also, of course, the All-Star game Most itself. Challenge. Skills challenge, not the three-point contest. Is, is he not in the three-point contest? It was reported originally as a three-point contest, but um, he um, <clears throat> he was asked about it. Um, I was there. A few others were at his um, charity event at the Snipe store at the Roosevelt Mall, and he kind yeah. of danced around it a little bit. Part of that was because he couldn't officially, like, it wasn't, like, made official by the league, but the league's announcement is that he would be, he's going to be in the skills challenge. Okay, so he's in the skills challenge. Do we know about the three-point contest yet? Yeah, so he he's not going to be one of the guys in there. Um, 
That's I'm crazy, not sure man. what changed. I'm not sure if uh, Chris Haynes was told something else that you know didn't change later, regardless. But yeah, the uh, the official league announcement was that he will be in. He's one of so the obviously it's different format now with the well, yeah. not two different, but all right. So Tyrese will be with Trey Young and Scotty Barnes on Team All Stars as one of the three teams. They're going up against a trio of Pacers and a trio of number one overall picks. So Tyrese will be in the skills challenge, yeah. um, not the three-point contest. But that should still yeah, be very too- fun. That's kind of an underrated thing, the, the skills challenge. I, it's, it's It can be pretty fun. Obviously not as iconic yeah. as the three-pointer or the dunk contest, but it should still be pretty fun. Yeah, and especially with Maxi in it, it's going to be that much more exciting. Uh, three-point contest, looking at Malik Beasley, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard. Laurie Markkinen, Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Trey Young. So you're still looking at a, a absolute wealth of talent there. Also, uh, who's in the dunk contest this year? Have they uh... Jalen Brown, Jaime Hawkins Jr., Mac McClung, and Jacob Toppin? Those are the <sighs> at least Jalen Brown is a pretty, I mean, pretty notable uh, name. Jaime Hawkins Jr. Yeah. was in the dunk contest. I, I think in high school. I've seen those clips. Yeah, he was. School. I've seen Brown, the clip. Brown. Yeah. Mac McClung reigning champion with the um, Osceola Magic, the, the Magic's G League uh, team. Okay. And there's a Toppin brother. I mean. I, I got to say, good for, good for Jalen Brown because that's I, I think that's what people want to see more of is that that yeah. all-star caliber player uh, making it in there. And I obviously love Mac McClung, and it was great to see him uh, bring the championship to Philly last year. Uh, and, and there's a certain point with some of these guys where it's like, listen, if, if the best dunkers are playing, that's what truly matters. Mm -hmm. It's just that there's, there's some real star talent out there that, uh, is definitely capable of competing with these guys. And they're just not for, for whatever reason, just not finding it worth their while. But, uh, either way, it should still be a fun weekend of festivities. Uh, be sure to. Watch, of course, uh, Tyrese Maxey, the All-Star Game, and the Skills Challenge, not the three-point contest. Uh, you can take the three-point contest or whatever, I guess. If there's no Sixers in it, then just do whatever you feel like. But, uh, yeah, take some time, unwind, relax, just enjoy some uh, generic basketball-related festivities. And uh, hopefully Tyrese Maxey just goes absolutely berserk in the All-Star Game itself. It definitely has that that capability to do so. But uh, for now, focusing on Miami and we will probably take a break over the all-star break i'm assuming uh for the pod unless we feel like uh anything notable has happened after this miami game but otherwise we'll check back in with you guys after the all-star break but for today thank you so much for listening thank you for taking the time of course i've been zach chavaloa here with sam d giovanni as always follow the pod on twitter at processing pod 76 myself at chavo nba and sam at by sam d giovanni all on Twitter. And don't forget to check out my work at Philly Sports Network and Sam's work at Clutch Points. And listen, this is the time to unwind, relax, grab a beer, take a breather. Just remember, at the end of the day, each and every one of us, whether you're fans, media, or players, we're still processing.